All right. I hate being recorded, but that's all right. So, all right, ophthalmology. Uh, we already talked about this when we went over the syllabus, but essentially you guys are going to need to know how to diagnose, uh, treat, how to take proper history, know physical exam findings and clinical manifestations, as well as complications of every procedure that we're going to cover. Uh, and you also need to know any possible side effects or complications of treatment. Uh, for this particular module, there's not many of them, um, and I'll definitely be sure to highlight them as we, as we come up on them, but uh, all those things are things that you can potentially be tested on, um, so you can review thoroughly the learning objectives if you'd like. But we're gonna go ahead and get started. All right, so we're gonna get started with this patient here who, um, does anybody know before we even start talking what's going on here? Okay, good, chalasia, right? So, no, but it definitely looks kind of like a chalasion. So one of the critical thinking things that you guys need to use too is always think about what structures are in that area. So what structures do you guys evaluate for there on your physical exam? So it looks like a chalasion, but it's where the lacrimal duct is. So it's an inflammation of the lacrimal duct, which is called, uh, the medical term is dacryl Right, so this is an infection of the lacrimal duct, which looks a lot like a chalasion or a hordeolum, which we'll cover later. Um, but because it's on this nasal side, on the inferior side, we call it dacryocystitis. What do you guys think we would call it if it was up on the top left side over there? What's over there on, the, on, the, on this part of it? The gland, right? Cool, so what would you call that? Dacryl adenitis, right? Because it's affecting the gland. So dacryocystitis affects the duct. Dacryoadenitis will affect the, the gland, okay? Um, so redness, swelling, erythema at the site of the lacrimal duct is known as dacryocystitis, all right? Um, can anybody think of something that might cause this? An obstruction, awesome. So yes, obstruction is a cause of dacryocystitis. Typically, obstructive causes happen in pediatric patients, right? Who don't have a fully formed uh, lacrimal duct or who have some kind of abnormalities in the lacrimal duct, they can develop dacryocystitis, and that's a common cause of it for like infants and newborns and things like that. Um, what about in adults? But they get like debris and things like that, but why would that cause inflammation? So also obstruction from some kind of foreign body or debris or something like that, good. Uh, they can develop stones, not very common for them to develop in the lacrimal duct, but they do, like it happened in the salivary glands, like salivary stones, kidney stones, can happen, not very common in the lacrimal duct. Um, but what else do you think can cause like redness, warmth, swelling around the eyelid, around the duct? Infection, cool, right? So that's actually the most common cause of dacryocystitis, infection. Um, and most commonly caused by Staphoris, which is a very common uh, organism that lives on our skin. So it's also a very common organism that affects the skin for infection, uh, and especially pertaining to the eye. Staph is a very common pathogen that causes it, as far as bacterial uh, pathogens. So good, those are the most common causes. Um, so everything we just talked about, dacryocystitis is an infection of the lacrimal sac, okay, the lacrimal duct. Uh, dacryoadenitis would be affecting the glands. We don't really cover it. Uh, dacryoadenitis is not, is not very common. It can be acute or chronic. Um, obviously, chronic will be 
uh, recurrent or la uh, you know prolonged duration. Acute would be something that's sudden onset within the past four or five days, week, two weeks or so. Okay, uh, specific timelines for acute versus chronic are not well defined for dacryocystitis, so there's no time frame for it that you need to remember. Very common in infants uh, and very common in uh, adults over 40 years old. Okay, um, and when I say very common, it's actually not that common, but <laughs> it happens. Usually it's unilateral, right? You got to imagine. Um, when you guys are using your critical thinking, if the most common cause is an obstruction or an infection, what are the chances you're going to get an infection or an obstruction in both eyes at the same time? Eh, probably not, right? So when you have things that are presenting like bilaterally and things like that, you have to think about that. Like, oh, is this probably an acute infection, like a dacryocystitis, or can it be something else if it's on both eyes at the same time, right? Same thing, like patients have swelling on one leg, and you think, oh my God, they have a blood clot. But if they have swelling on both legs, do they have blood clots in both their legs at the same time? Probably not, um, but it can happen. So important to take those things into account when you're uh, reading vignettes or when you're evaluating patients. We spoke about the etiology. The most common bacterial etiology is Staph aureus, um, but you also see um, Haemophilus influenza and Strep pneumoniae. And you guys are gonna see this very recurrent. Uh, you're gonna have ENT after you have me. And it's also very common for these same pathogens to affect the middle ear and pretty much the entire upper respiratory tract. Uh, signs and symptoms, we talked about it, pain, redness, swelling, and tenderness at the site of the uh, lacrimal duct. And they can also have uh, tearing, right? And they may or may not have purulent drainage. Uh, it just depends. Sometimes it's just red and inflamed. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's uh, pus collection but there may be, and if you press on it or you do warm compresses, you may express some of it from, uh, from the duct. It, to diagnose this, you pretty much just look at it and you say, hey, I think this is a dacryocystitis. There's no specific testing that goes on uh, when it comes to this. However, you can do cultures, and most of the times your cultures are gonna show what? All right, Staph aureus, right? It could just be regular Staph aureus or it could be uh, MRSA, which is what? which is MRSA, exactly what I just spelled, which stands for what? <laughs> All right, cool, I heard it. Methicillin-resistant Staph aureus, cool. So extremely common as well. Um, it's pretty much Staph aureus on steroids. So it's not gonna respond to traditional treatments and may need treatments that are directed towards MRSA, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to treatments. Anybody have any questions so far? All right. Um, so treatment depends, and you guys have to be careful when you're doing your test because the treatment's gonna depend on a lot of things. You have to take in the patient's age into account, what the most common causes are. Um, you also have to take into account the whole clinical picture, right? You can't just say like, oh, it's swelling in the middle of the eyes, dacryocystitis, they need oral antibiotics, we're good to go. So read questions very carefully because that's how you can get tripped up. You might get a question that says, because if you see here, um, I say oral antibiotics, right, is usually the preferred initial option or you'll do IV if you suspect orbital cellulitis, and we'll talk about that in a second. The antibiotic of choice usually is first-generation cephalosporins, like cephalexin, all right? Um, there's a lot more that goes into this, and there's a lot more treatment algorithms, but uh, a lot of this stuff, when it comes to antibiotic therapies, you're gonna learn an infectious disease. So I don't wanna present you with massive amounts of data on antibiotics and all these different things. I need you guys to know the most likely first treatment, second treatments, and then eventually when you learn a lot about antibiotics, you'll just know where you can plug certain ones in based on what pathogens they cover, right? Um, so if they fail treatment, then you may have to treat them with medications that target against MRSA, right? Because it probably means that 
what the antibiotic you're using, cephalexin, is not effective against the bacteria, and the most likely cause then would probably be a methicillin-resistant strain, which won't respond to cephalosporins. Um, so surgery can be done electively or urgently, depending on the patient's presentation. And then if they have chronic dacryocystitis, you may have to do a surgical procedure. Um, typically what they do is they can insert a probe in the lacrimal gland and down into the duct, and they or may not put something inside like a tube to maintain it patent, or sometimes they can just clear it and leave it like that. So it just depends on the patient. Um, and then complications of dacryocystitis can be periorbital cellulitis and sepsis, okay? So for instance, if you got a question relating to this and it says that the patient was on oral antibiotic therapy for the past seven days and then they had no response to it, what would be the best treatment? You may wanna be very careful and not say, oh, well, you just put them on cephalexin, right? Because you know cephalexin's first line and if we said they already tried first line treatment, you're not gonna pick that again because they already did it. You're not gonna put them on it for more days. You're gonna say, well, hey, they either need to go see an ophthalmologist or they need to go get surgery or they need to go to the hospital and get IV antibiotics. So you're gonna look for those secondary options, okay? If I gave you a patient that has chronic dacryocystitis, are you gonna put them on antibiotics? Right? No, right? They've had this for a long time. It's not flaring up. This isn't acute. It's probably not gonna to respond to antibiotics. You're gonna refer them for uh, follow-up with ophthalmology and things like that. So be very careful when you're reading the treatments and read the questions thoroughly. So uh, why do you think it's important to catch and treat something like dacryocystitis relatively? It can go to the brain. I like that. But before it gets to the brain, it's got to go somewhere else first. It can go into the blood. What else? What was that? Where? In the sinus? Testing, yeah. testing, one, two, three. Right? Which sinus is really close to here? Right. Usually you have your ethmoid, you have your maxillary down here. But what's directly behind that structure? The sinus, or just behind the eye itself. The soft tissues behind the eye, the muscles behind the eye. We call that an orbital cellulitis. Okay, so this is, this is very close to the eye and the infection is gonna spread first in the skin and soft tissues before it penetrates sinuses or anything like that. So the primary concern is that this infection spreads posteriorly into the cavity behind the eye. We call that an orbital cellulitis, okay? So what structures are behind the eye or lateral and connected to the sides of the eye? The cranial nerves, what else? Major blood vessels, what else? Uh, where is like inside the eye, towards the posterior of the eye? Because the structures, I mean, literally behind the eyeball. Behind. How does your eye move? Your, your ocular muscles, right? So you got your ocular muscles, you have fat, you have blood vessels, you have nerves, all these things. So with that in mind, can you guys tell me on a vignette, if I gave you this patient, how you'd be able to identify if they have any complications of can't move the eye. Okay, if they can't move the eye, they're in trouble. But it'll hurt to move the eye. Okay, so painful movement of the eye is one of the big things that you look for. If somebody has pain moving the eye, that means that what's probably affected? The ocular muscles, which means the infection is where? Somewhere you don't want it to. Okay, so if they have pain moving the eye, then that means that there's possible involvement of the ocular muscles and there's concern for orbital cellulitis. So that patient needs to be treated how? 
This microphone. Okay. So that one is, is the only thing I can say. Orbital cellulitis is an infection behind the eye. So no sound. you need to be concerned about is no sound. No camera either. Just all around. Okay. So you see how this is nice and localized. No, because to they had they had to come uh, the medial campus. If this inflammation they, they were to be all them, around the eye, we would call it a preseptocellulitis, which we'll cover in another lecture. But that's also a complication that you get concerned about. Okay. But um, you cannot so I say uh, that might tell you that they have an infection posterior to the eye. Considering there's blood vessels, nerves, vision changes. Alright, so if there's vision changes, pain with eye movement. It's safe to say, if any patient never has visual changes, pain with eye movement, you should probably be worried. Okay. What about if the patient has a lot of inflammation and pus and swelling behind the eye? What else might you see on this patient? Or something. An abscess? Uh, maybe, but if you had an abscess behind the eye, what would you see on physical exam? Because you won't see the abscess. Bulging of the eye. Yeah. So if the patient's eyeball is bulging out, that's a red flag. So pain with eye movement, vision changes, or the eye bulging out. If you ever see that, your patient probably shouldn't be in your office. They should be in a hospital, or they should be with an ophthalmologist. Yeah. Okay. So those three things are huge, and if you see anything like that on any test question, that should prompt you that this is a big deal. Yes. Pain with eye movement. Pain with eye movement. Yeah. You guys can't hear me over there? I'm sorry. Talk to me. I'm gonna walk out of here with like torticollis. <laughs> Clip it to the mouth. So what you're telling me is that this microphone's doused in COVID. Got it. All right, now it's in my eyeball. All right. Is that better? Can you guys hear me now? All right, fantastic. I don't know whose idea this was, but it's the best and worst idea you've ever had. All right. Um, so moving on. Congenital dacryocystitis, we, wait, was I done with my thought? Yes, I was. So pain with eye movement, bulging of the eye, vision changes. Um, anything like that happens, there's suspicion and concern for something going on posterior to the eye and that the infection, whatever it might be. This is a theme that you'll see repeat in patients who have a hordeolum, in patients who have all kinds of infection around the eyelid. If any of those signs are present, it's something more, something going on behind the eye. You don't know exactly what it is, you have to order some tests to find out, but there is concern for it, it needs to be worked up and needs to be treated appropriately, all right? Any questions about dacryocystitis? There's not a whole lot to say about um, congenital dacryocystitis. Congenital just means that you're born with some kind of defect that affects the lacrimal duct or um, lacrimal gland, which can lead to dacryocystitis. A lot of times, this is very common and self-resolves. You'll see this in a lot of uh, congenital issues and pediatric-related uh, issues. It may present early on in life and usually self-resolves, um, typically around six months, but if it persists past uh, 12 months, that's when you're gonna likely want them to have some kind of ophthalmology follow-up to see if they're gonna need any kind of um, uh, treatment afterwards. And it's what we talked about. They can either put a probe in or they can put a tube to help it drain appropriately. Uh, but that's only after 12 months, okay? So after six months, usually self-resolved, after 12 months, 
they need to be followed up with ophthalmology for additional care. When it's present um, for um, newborns or infants, you want to do pretty much um, uh, supportive care. So you can do massage, you can do warm compresses, and usually that's sufficient. If it's not, then you can persist out, you can proceed after that to, um, to antibiotics, okay? All right, so what's this? Cool, conjunctivitis, right? Three types of conjunctivitis. There's actually more, but three common causes of conjunctivitis. Uh, bacteria, viruses, and allergies. What's the most common one? Usually viral. Viral is a more common cause of conjunctivitis, but allergic is very common too. Um, bacterial is not as common, okay? But I will tell you that 99% of them are treated like bacterial, right? And that's because people are like, I'm not taking any chances, I'm giving them some antibiotics, right? And the reason for that is if it's virus, it's gonna go away on its own. If it's allergic, it's gonna go away when you stop exposing yourself to whatever you're allergic to. Um, but usually not gonna cause any significant issues, but if it's bacterial, probably want to treat it with some antibiotics. So a lot of people default to that. Um, you guys are going to be better than that because you're going to be able to tell the difference and you're going to know when and when not to. Um, I know somebody who's on a, on a clinical rotation and their preceptor, this person has allergies, their eyes are itching, they have like skin rashes, they get this all the time. And every time the patient comes in, they go home on antibiotic eye drops. So this is very, very common, but if you know how to tell the difference, usually you know it's pretty simple to tell the difference one from the other. So if you have a viral conjunctivitis, right in the name, it has the word viral, which means that they probably have some what? Some virus, yes, good. If they have some virus, what are some things that are pretty universal between all viruses? What's that? Well, you shouldn't treat with antibiotics, true, but what about like presentation-wise? If they have a systemic symptoms, right? Cool. So if you have a bacteria in your eye, you're probably not gonna be fever, chills, body aches, um, you know, cough, right? If you have a bacteria in your eye, why is that bacteria making you cough? It makes no sense. But if it's a virus, it's, you're probably gonna have some secondary systemic manifestations, right? So big clue in if the patient has other viral symptoms, probably viral conjunctivitis. Okay, big one. Um, what else do you think can differentiate these one from the other? Just looking at the picture. Discharge? have discharge in viral conjunctivitis? You do. It's just not ugly and yellow. Usually clear and watery. Okay? So another big differentiating factor from one from the other is the type of discharge that you have. So if you have a viral conjunctivitis, you can expect that it's going to be a thin, watery secretion, not going to be yellow, not going to be purulent. Um, okay? Um, so that, that covers viral pretty well. How would you treat a viral treat the symptoms, right? Cool, so if they have like gritty feeling in the eyes, you can give them some like topical eye drops for like relief, if it's itching, you can give them drops for itching, and we'll cover those now. So yeah, supportive care, right? Supportive care. Uh, so let's go to allergic. Uh, what do you guys think will help you, clue you into allergic conjunctivitis? Inflammation, inflammation can happen in all of them. Drunk in your eyes.
everybody's issue all the time is for whatever reason when I ask them the answer, yes, it is me. So it's super helpful. When you see it on your test, yes, it's allergic. When you see it in clinical practice, who knows, right? Um, so if you're going to have itching, what else? Hearing, what color? Antibiotics, right? Antibiotic eye drops. Why did that happen? I was using that screen, but now I'll do this. Um, so yeah, bacterial, you're gonna treat it with antibiotic eye drops, right? So if a patient has what symptoms would you be worried that something else is going on? Or your 
confused, it's not a complaint about it, it's just something else, okay? So always, always, always look out for those three symptoms because a lot of these conditions can present very similarly, and you're gonna see, like, we learned about these three things, but there's a lot of things that can make your eye yellow. So we're learning them in bubbles, but as we continue learning more conditions, we're gonna circle back and compare it to more common things like conjunctivitis. Because in medicine, the way you get yourself in trouble is by seeing somebody and being like, that's a conjunctivitis, and then it's not, right? So you're much better off saying, hey, that's a conjunctivitis. You know what? Professor Conception said, red eye can be a lot of things. It can also be this, which he showed us. So let's look for that thing too, right? Uh, the eyes and the hands and the face in general are gonna be the things that get you sued very, very often in healthcare. So anytime you have something in a, in a hand or an eye or a face, you always wanna be very extremely careful. Or you wanna be careful all the time, but you wanna be extra careful when it comes to the eyes. Because if somebody loses an eye, their life is gonna be significantly altered for all time, and then that's gonna be your fault. So the eyes, extremely, extremely careful with everything you do, so you have to know your differentials very well, and you always have to know all the life-threatening causes of any particular eye symptom that can present itself. All right, rant's over. So we're gonna go into now, I think I covered everything, but let's make sure. Conjunctivitis is an inflammation of the conjunctiva. Um, it can be viral, bacterial, or allergic. Uh, we did not mention also what's a very important um, what's a very important historical component of what this patient does or does not do on a daily basis that's important for if you have a red eye like what's important in their history to find out contacts all right cool I was trying to get to a way to ask that without making it obvious and you just got there without me even trying so contact lenses right why is that important. touch their eye all the time, but more importantly, there's a very specific bacteria associated to contact lenses, which is called what? Anybody? Going once, going twice, no one? All right, Pseudomonas, okay? Contact lens use, Pseudomonas, Mazzolini voice makes a connection, okay? All right, so contact lens use and Pseudomonas, you want, uh, you want to have those two very long range, what else can happen with contact lens use? Scratch the eye, awesome. What's the medical term for that? Awesome, I like it, corneal abrasion. You can get a corneal abrasion, right? So corneal abrasion, pseudomonas, contact lens use. What else is important to ask in a patient's history when it comes to using red eye, a painful eye? Super important, we never think of the corneal, like why do I ask this? Stupid question every time when I'm doing my history, but this time it's important. Somebody ever had this? Where do you what? Nice. Where do you work? Why is that important? Cool. They can be working on computers. They can grind stuff. They can work at a. They can be a welder. Uh, they can work in a lab with toxic chemicals. They can. They can do a lot of things, right? So you know, sometimes you have a patient and they have a common cold, and you're like, well, where do you work? And it's like, why am I asking this stupid question? But when it comes to the eyes never a stupid question. You always want to know where the person works. Because if they have a red eye and they told you, oh yeah, yesterday, and they won't tell you when I said, I mean, people work every day. So they never think, or most people don't think work is related to it, right? So they might be working in a, in a factory, grinding stuff, and oh, I was wearing my mask and I was wearing my goggles, and they may not even notice they got like a foreign body shoved into their eye, and now they're just like, oh, I woke up and it's red. And you're like, oh, conjunctivitis. Go home, you're good to go. But they have like a bunch of metal foreign bodies embedded in their eye, they're just Right, so occupation, contact lens use, super important if patients have any kind of eye complaint. 
Um, and, and another thing, if, what's the first thing you're gonna do on physical exam for these patients? Visual acuity, cool, yes. Uh, don't manipulate people's eyes and don't, you can change your test results by doing things. So sometimes, like uh, you, you'll see later, we have to do certain exams for the patients. Um, and it involves putting different drops and things like that in the eye. If you do it uh, early, you may affect the, the te uh, test results. So you always do visual acuity first when possible. Um, so we talked about bacterial. The most common cause is staph, including MRSA. Um, allergic, usually they're going to have other allergic symptoms, sneezing, rhinorrhea. We talked about that. Uh, mechanical, contact lens, chronic irritation, and dryness. So sometimes you have elderly patients, and whenever you get elderly patients, it's like a, it's like a whole new list of things that can be affecting them, right? They may just be old, and they have dry eyes. And then they're going to come in with dry eyes all the time and be like, oh, here's your antibiotic eye drops. You know, every, every uh, four weeks. And you probably just need regular drops, right? Um, artificial tears. So very, very important to take that into account. Um, you're not going to get test questions about elderly populations and just having dry eyes because those test questions are no fun. Um, but it's important to know it clinically because you're going to see it all the time. A toxic and chemical exposure. So that's probably important that we talk about, but usually you're not gonna get tested too much on that, at least not on my exam. But let's say your patient works, I don't know, um, in a pool cleaning company. Um, what are you worried about? Cool, right, chlorine in their eye. So if a patient comes in and they're like, oh yeah, doc, my eye is burning, it's killing me, it hurts. What, how are you gonna treat them? Can't hear. Somebody said it pretty loud over here. Flush the eye, right? Flush the eye. What's your name, Mac? Matt, Matt said flush the eye. So yeah, exactly, you flush the eye. You put them in a, usually most medical facilities have an eye wash station, right? Um, and eye wash station, fun fact, because I was trying to do an ear lobotomy the other day, and I kept getting mad because the faucet that I was using didn't have any hot water. And I'm like, can somebody fix the hot water on this thing? We are a very wealthy financial institution. If we can afford to have running hot water here. And they're like, no, no, it's the eye wash station. We remove the hot water so they don't burn their eyes. And I was like, you guys think of everything. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'll go get the hot water somewhere else. So they have eye wash stations, which hopefully don't have hot water. Do not flush people's eyes out with hot water. Um, the first thing you want to do is you want to um, flush the eyes. For how long? 15 seconds? Close. Just change the word seconds to minutes, and you're pretty, and you're pretty good, right? So like 15 minutes. Yeah, you just sit them and let the water flush there for about 15 minutes. Uh, if the patient has a toxic exposure, and I've seen this question before, and they're like at home, and they're like, oh yeah, I got some chlorine in my eye, I'm gonna come in. If they're at home, they can actually irrigate themselves for 15 minutes. You wanna irrigate as soon as possible. So um, if, if you get a question that says, oh, the patient's, um, the patient's calling you from their job site, they just had an exposure to some chlorine, and their eye is burning, uh, which of the following is the next advice you should give the patient? All right, so viral, the signs and symptoms are gonna be foreign body sensation, itching, 
and other systemic viral symptoms, right? So itching can happen in viral or allergic. Usually you'll see it in allergic questions, but be careful not to clue in on one thing like, oh, it's, it's allergic, so it's itching. You can have itching in viral. You can even have itching in, bac in bacterial, but usually when they ask itching, it's pointing you in the direction of um, allergic. Bacterial is gonna have the purulent discharge, the lid crusting, um, and then allergic is gonna be itching, tearing, redness, um, and also usually presents bilateral. Uh, so treatment, always important, um, especially like OSCE and all these things, patients to, to use frequent hand washing. Um, so on your OSCE, they're gonna ask you, oh, what kind of patient education do you wanna give to your patient? Hand washing, right? Because these are all con uh, viral and bacterial or transmissible. So you wanna make sure they do frequent hand washing, try not to touch one eye and touch the other one, don't share any eye drops, whatever the case is. Discontinue contact lens use, right? If your eye is all red and irritated, don't put contact lens, don't use glasses. Uh, clean out your contact lens case. Whatever contact you were using, throw them away, okay? So things like that, use eyeliner, cut the tip off, sharpen it again, use a new one, right? All these different things, okay? Um, when it comes to bacterial, you're gonna do antibiotic treatment, right? Antibiotics come in the form of drops and they come in the form of ointments, right? Well, they also come in the form of pills, but you're not gonna take pills for a conjunctivitis. You do either ointments or drops. Most commonly used ointment is called erythromycin ointment, all right? And I always thought it was weird. I'm like, how in the world do you put an ointment in your eye? That sounds terrible, why would you do that to a person? But they're there and they work. You, you pretty much just drop the eyelid down and you put a bead of the, um, of the antibiotic on the lower lid and then you close your eyes and then it gets in there and then you got this gunk in your eye for a while and it's very uncomfortable. Which is why I usually use drops, but the answer they usually look for is erythromycin ointments, all right? If you're gonna use drops, there's a lot of them, but the most commonly used one is polymyxin, trimethoprim polymyxin drops, all right? Very important, we talked about contact lens use and what bacteria? Cool, pseudomonas, right? So for pseudomonas and for contact lens use, you need to cover for pseudomonas, all right? And there's a group of antibiotics called fluoroquinolones, which um, you guys are gonna hear very nasty things about. Um, because they do a lot of very nasty things, like destroy your tendons, um, give you deadly heart arrhythmias, uh, and things of that sort. But when it comes to pseudomonas, it's a very commonly used drug, and when it comes to eye drops, most of those side effects, you're not gonna get them, because the, ugh, the systemic absorption is not uh, very high, so you don't have to worry about those side effects. So ofloxacin is an eye drop that belongs to that fluoroquinolone family, and it covers for the bacteria pseudomonas, which is important for patients who use contacts, all right? So bacterial conjunctivitis, do they have contact lens? Yes, ofloxacin. No, erythromycin or polymyxin. Very simple, very straightforward. Um, if they have allergic conjunctivitis, you're gonna use antihistamine eye drops. The most common ones are patinol and patidae. Uh, some of them are extremely expensive, so a lot of times I tell my patients, go to CVS get yourself some over-the-counter antihistamine eye drops, and you'll be good to go. Um, because a lot of these prescription ones are extremely expensive, and then patients get annoyed when they buy them and it doesn't work, or when they have over-the-counter ones that are cheaper that work better, so. But if you do have a prescription question, it's patinol, patidae, very common antihistamine drop. Or also, you can just use artificial tears to keep the eye uh, moist, and you can also do cool compresses to alleviate the symptoms. So that's typically the treatment. Uh, steroids, I never prescribe steroids. I think if you need steroids in your eye, you probably need to see an ophthalmologist. That's just my thought process, but I'm sure there's a lot of other people who prescribe them all the time. 
steroids can cause a lot of complications in the eye, like cataract formation and things like that, so I try to avoid using them in the eye. Um, but you can, it, I mean, it is safe. Those side effects are not extremely common. I just, you know, if you have an allergic conjunctivitis, I'd rather you deal with an itchy eye than give you cataracts. So usually I'll do the antihistamine eye drops. If that doesn't work, I tell you about the cool compresses. If that doesn't work, I tell you to go see an ophthalmologist. And if they think it's that bad that you need steroid drops, they can go ahead and give them to you. But I usually don't, all right? And your test questions, especially like on the pants, they try to make you avoid doing things that are gonna hurt your patient. So usually, they're not gonna ask you to give the patient steroid eye drops. The same way they're not gonna ask you to give them opioid medications, usually, for pain. They're always trying to get you to go for that other alternative that's gonna have less side effects. So be careful to avoid it. All right, how are we doing on time right now? Because I talk a lot, all right, cool. If you guys need a break, let me know when and if you need it. So what do we got going on here? That screen's still not working, that's terrible. I'm so sorry this side of the room. Can't hear me, can't see me, awesome. So what's going on over here? Anybody? Like an abscess? 
So anterior inflammation of the eyelash follicles, the ZSMR glands, uh, typically caused by skin conditions like seborrheic dermatitis and or a bacterial infection, right? We always say and or because you may have seborrheic dermatitis and it may plug your glands and it may be itchy and then you may start scratching it and then you may introduce bacteria into it um, so you can get a secondary bacterial infection, right? So it could be and or. Posterior, um, we said it's the most common type and it's caused by inflammation in the meibomian glands, which can be caused by bacteria uh, most commonly. And most commonly, the bacteria is that, right? Uh, and you can also have primary glandular dysfunction. So if a patient just has dysfunctional meibomian glands, they're gonna get this too. Uh, typically associated with dermatologic conditions, we said uh, seborrheic dermatitis was one of them, but there's also rosacea and any other kind of dermatitis, right? Anything that can cause irritation in the skin, can irritate the glands, can plug up the glands and cause obstruction, can also cause a blepharitis, right? Signs and symptoms, tearing, itching, burning, erythema, flaking, photophobia. So if you guys notice, there's a lot of the symptoms for everything sound exactly the same. So you need to focus on what's different about them, right? So the blepharitis, you're gonna know because it's located to the entire lid margin. You have to listen to the history to see if they give you a history of allergies, if they tell you anything about the glands, if they tell you, right? So you're gonna hear something like this. They have tearing, they have itching, you'd be like allergic conjunctivitis, but do they tell you that their eyes are red? Do they tell you anything about other allergic symptoms like sneezing? Um, or do they just tell you that it's localized to the lid margin, right? So you have to be careful. You might hear the symptoms and be like, oh, that sounds like allergic conjunctivitis, we're good. But always, 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 put the whole picture together and make sure you're, you're reading thoroughly because they can present very similarly. Uh, so treatment for chronic disease, there's no cure. So you do warm compresses uh, to promote circulation and you do lid massage to empty the glands. Lid washing, gentle washing of the eyelid margins uh, following the warm compresses. If for antibiotics, which you don't typically use, but you can, you're gonna use topical erythromycin ointment just like we said for conjunctivitis. Um, if, if the most common bacteria for all these things is staph, that means they're usually gonna be treated very similarly. So important to keep that in mind. What you need to pay attention to is when you don't treat them similarly, like if they have contact lens use, or like if they have pain with eye movement, vision changes, or proptosis, right? So any of those things is when you wanna like red flag, treatment changes, 
let's look for the, the next best treatment option, all right? So if it's uh, anterior, you can do topical erythromycin ointment, and then posterior, um, usually posterior, it takes some time to cure. A lot of times they'll do um, azithromycin or doxycycline, and usually the course of treatment is a lot longer um, if needed, but I'll tell you most of the time when they ask you about blepharitis, they want you to know the lid massage, the warm compress, and the cleansing with the shampoo, because usually they don't require antibiotics for the most part. Uh, if it's severe or, or unresponsive, then that's when you go to oral antibiotics, all right? And that's pretty much it. You refer to ophthalmology if there's no improvement in their symptoms over the course of a month. Um, but sometimes it, certain processes like fungal infections and blepharitis, chalazions, they can take a very long time to go away. So usually it's not like, oh, I saw you two weeks ago, you're back, it's not better, go see an ophthalmologist. It usually takes some time. So you can wait quite a bit before you refer them for these chronic conditions. All right, so what's wrong with that picture? Cool, right, and one of them, the eyelid's in their eye, and the other one, the eyelid folded outside of their eye, right? So if it's going into the eye, it's called an entropion, because it's going into the eye, and um, if it's going out of the eye, um, it's called an extropion, right? So an entropion, the eyelid is folding into the eye. Yes? Yes, we can. We'll be back. And what is it, 10 minutes? Awesome. So I feel like, I remember if I hit one of these, I mess everything up. <laughs>